morning. You guys on the live stream can't see, but we have like so many people here right now. I promise. Um, so as I was putting my thoughts together this week, the, long, the further along the week got, I started getting more and more worried that these thoughts were like too basic or too simple. And then I thought about being like the kind of guy that I am, how just grateful I am that toasters still come with warnings not to stick a fork in them, you know, and blow dryers still come with warnings not to use them in the bathtub. And those are the reasons I'm still here with you guys today. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, you know, maybe basic, simple, maybe for some people like me, it's life-saving. <laughs> and for the rest of you, you guys can just roll your eyes. Um, and so the mission of our church is to make and mature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. And let me just highlight the Jesus part. Obviously, uh, that's the center of that statement, and that's who we got that directive from. Loving, serving, sharing Jesus. Um, but love is first in that sentence. And that makes sense, right? Because, like, why would we serve someone that we don't love? In some ways, you know, we have to do that because it's our job or whatever. But in this case, we're talking about a mission of our life. It makes total sense that we have to love Jesus first and to have the desire to share about him with other people. Um, so that love really makes a lot of sense. And so um, that is kind of what I was chewing on this week and where these thoughts sort of, sort of started coming from. So the title of my thoughts is just start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. I know many of you are in different places in your life right now and in your journey of faith or whatever phrase you want to use to, to describe that. Some of you, Jesus might be very new. I think in this specific room right now, that's not the case, but on a normal Sunday where we have a lot of students, that could very easily be the case. It could be someone who just kind of found out about Jesus this semester at school or whatever. So uh, that could be some of us listening to this later on. Some of you might have known of Jesus for a long time, and only recently would you describe yourself as like actually trying to follow him now, so it might feel really new, even though you've kind of known who he is for a long time. Um, he's kind of popular, so you probably had heard of him before. And then um, I know others of you who've probably been following Jesus for a really long time, and you're struggling in some way. Uh, maybe not with Jesus specifically, but with the difficult season of life that you're in right now or the state of our world right now, or problems of the larger institution of the church, etc., past and present. There's many more options, many more things that could cause you to struggle in your faith right now. And there's also some of you who might be following Jesus and have been for a while, and you're not struggling. And that must be nice. Okay, so shut up. Just kidding. Um, whichever of those descriptions fits you best, you were in my mind this week. I was not thinking of only one specific group. Um, I know a bunch of you who are all across that spectrum. So this is not for any one group of that, of you guys. This is hopefully helpful, good news to you, um, wherever you are. And so my first point is that in order to love, serve, or share Jesus, this is kind of long, so don't worry, all the points aren't this long. In order to love, serve, or share Jesus in any sustainable way, we must know and remind ourselves often that Jesus loves us, comma, and that he loves us first. I'm going to say it one more time. In order to love, serve, or share Jesus in any sustainable way, we must know and remind ourselves often that Jesus loves us and that he loved us first. Um, I bet you didn't see that coming. Again, please try to 
that resist ignoring all this just because it's so simple and basic. Um, but I bet that you need to hear that today just as much as I needed to hear that. Jesus really, really loves you. I know myself, I can go pretty long stretches without really even thinking about that very much. Isn't that kind of odd? Like, I think Jesus is a big part of my life, or at least, you know, ministry, reading the Bible, etc. But the actual conscious thought of telling myself, reminding myself that Jesus really does love me, easy. I can't tell you how long the stretches are that I don't really think about that very much. But it happens often. Uh, and during those stretches of time, any number of other thoughts can be sort of the dominant thing in my mind. I'm a really self-critical person, and so it's pretty easy for me to find a bunch of other things to be telling myself about myself, like, this could have been better, could have worked harder on this, could have spent more time on that, I could have made a funnier joke at the beginning of this that made Grant laugh a little louder, um, any number of things. Uh, and that's just the constant state of my mind. I want to be self-critical, self-reviewing, and don't cut myself a lot of slack. So that's pretty counter to reminding myself that Jesus loves me a lot. You might have your own version of that. It might not be self-criticalness, but I'm sure that you have something you can relate to that if you're not thinking consciously about Jesus' love for you, other things start to fill that space in your mind. And so um, how do we know, let's just kind of like go into this a little bit, how do we know that Jesus loves each of us? Uh, well, because that little song that we sang as kids told us so. Um, that's part of it. But also because Jesus demonstrated it really well with his words in the Bible and with his actions in the Bible. So uh, I wanted to start with the, the most you know, common memorized verse for this. It's John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So many times for Jesus, this love that he has for us is directly intertwined with forgiveness. He wants to forgive us of the things that we've done wrong, ways that we've wronged other people, the ways we've harmed his creation. Um, some of this thing, I think the self-criticalness that I have in my own mind is just an, also a little bit of honesty, knowing that I'm not perfect. And there's a level I know I'm not like uh, a redeemable person on my own. My actions that are good, I don't think at least in my own head, really outweigh my bad ones, if, you make, if that makes sense. I think a lot of us, are, if we're honest with ourselves, we wouldn't really think like, yeah, it probably adds up to me being mostly good. Um, maybe you have a lot more confidence than I have. <laughs> and you think of yourself as like, nah, I'd pass, I'd pass, I'd be okay. But when I think about it, I'm really thankful that Jesus wants to and goes out of his way to forgive the things I've done wrong to other people, the things I've done wrong to his creation, the ways I've put myself first over others, etc. And that is what's cool about a lot of the examples we have of Jesus' love in the Bible is it's very in intertwined with creation, sorry, intertwined with forgiveness, intertwined with uh, not just kind of loving us from a distance, but with doing something with his love. Um, in John 15, 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. There's just another citation of Jesus telling us he loves us. We'll read the rest of that verse later on. And then this is one that like, doesn't say the word love, but I always, it always comes to mind for me when I'm in a tough spot and I need to be reminded of Jesus' love. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Is that not like great news when you're just pretty much done with the week or the month or the year or whatever it is? Jesus is just inviting you to just come to him. You're weary, you're burdened, he will give you rest. I love that verse. Um, in 1 John, he describes this love from God, um, the Father to Jesus to us in this way. Um, in 1 John 4, he says, And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. Let that kind of sink in for just a second. We love because Jesus first loved us. So back to the theme of forgiveness and love being tied together in Jesus. It's certainly helpful uh, how clearly this is worded and spelled out in these verses we just read. But I think it's even cooler to see it acted out by Jesus. Of course, the most obvious story of that is him actually literally dying um, unjustly, but literally dying for our sake. But there's also other really cool examples, and I just wanted to read one that I think many of us know, but this one has always really struck me and stuck with me and just made me think, man, Jesus is actually pretty cool. So in John 8, um, it says, At dawn he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they asked this to trap him, if you couldn't tell, in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men until only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Man, that is just such a cool story. Like that's, this is our God. All these people want to condemn a woman for what she's done. And Jesus turns each of them to reflect on themselves. What have you done that's great? 
What have you done that's bad? Do you feel like you are in a great position <laughs> to be able to condemn someone? And, and he defends her. He defends this woman. Um, that story has always stuck out to me so much. Like, there's several stories like that where I just feel like when I first ever really read them for myself, it really made me feel like, and I dig Jesus. It's not hard to get on his side and feel like this is the kind of guy that, that I want to follow. And if you're having any trouble letting these kind of verses that you've heard a million times stick in your mind and sink in, then here's a more modern take. Uh, the patron saint of Gen Xers and millennials everywhere said it like this. When we love a person, we accept him or her exactly as they are. The lovely with the unlovely, the strong along with the fearful, the true mixed in with the facade. And of course, the only way we can do it is by accepting ourselves that way too. He also said this, which I think you'll recognize. You made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. That's what Mr. Rogers said, but that, uh, that's straight from Jesus. Jesus loves you today, exactly as you are, without you having done anything yet. And that is, I think, the best starting place for us to start with Jesus or restarting place. If you need to restart, start right there. <laughs> Jesus loves you exactly as you are. My second point is that in order for us to love Jesus back, we have to know him. Um, sorry these are so difficult and complicated points, guys. I really, I'm just sorry. In order for us to love Jesus, we must know him. So, of course, we have to get to know him. Those things really are meant to go hand in hand. Love and knowledge, knowing each other, uh, shouldn't be separated. So sure, I could say I love like Idris Elba or Paul Rudd or Bob Dylan, but I don't know those people at all. <laughs> so that's our kind of loose version of love uh, a lot of times in our everyday language. Uh, but this idea of knowledge and love being united, having to be hand in hand is very consistent in Scripture. And um, that's also just one of the best ways to get to know Jesus in Scripture. We've got a ton of cool stories and words from Jesus in Scripture to get to know him. In one of the most famous prayers uh, that the Hebrew people recite a lot and, and still do is Deuteronomy 6, 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Find them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. On your forehead. Kind of sounds like a face tattoo. You know, I've made jokes about that in the past. Sounds like a pretty biblical idea here. So that last part, he's talking about the law, but in general, it's just this idea of know this, read this, know Jesus, know God through this, recite it to each other, share it with each other, talk about it, remind ourselves of it often. Um, and for the Israelites, this was their way of knowing God. They, all, they only had the law at the, at the beginning, really. That was their way. And so it was like, sweet, we'll take this, we'll memorize it, we'll write it on our doors, you know, and, and recite to each other and everything. That was their way to know God, and the benefit we have is we have what they had as well as all of this new 
amazing stuff from Jesus in the early church. We have a lot more to go from to know Jesus just from the book that we have. Um, in Jeremiah 9, 23, uh, he says, This is what the Lord says, The wise person should not boast in wisdom. The strong should not boast in their strength. The wealthy should not boast in their wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, knows God. I'm the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. So that should be much further above some of the other things that we spend a lot of our time and energy and stress and worry about. Uh, wealth, fame, you know, smarts, strength, wisdom, whatever it is, just to know God. And not just to know him, but know that he is this faithful, loving, just, and righteous God. That is much more important. And um, this is kind of on the flip side of this, where Jesus is addressing the idea uh, to the Pharisees of them knowing God without loving him, so to speak. That separation, like me loving Paul Rudd. Um, that they don't know him. So he says, he quotes Isaiah and says, hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines, human commands. So Jesus is quoting Isaiah in this sick burn here to let the Pharisees know that, yeah, they, they know the law better than anyone ever, pretty much. And somehow they've been able to know a lot about God, but without knowing God. They wouldn't recognize him standing right in front of them. <laughs> Literally, in this story, they don't recognize that Jesus is God. Their hearts are far from him. They don't really know God, and they don't really love him. Which makes sense judging from their fruit. They have turned God's law into a system that benefits them and pretty much no one else. It's not about love, and it's not about mercy. And so that's one of the ways that Jesus really condemns that idea of like separating knowing God, knowing about God from loving him. If that's the mixture we get, we can easily make the same mistake, honestly. It's not a unique to the Pharisees deal at all. We can know a lot about Jesus. We can know a lot about God. We can turn it into a system that benefits us. We can turn it into just some cool kind of habits in our life that don't matter anything beyond that. We can turn it into tra traditions, things that we just do, rituals, whatever. And we can actually turn ourselves into being immune to knowing and loving God. And it can just be this very shallow, skin-deep thing. Um, we've all, I think, experienced that a little bit in our lives. And I think our culture in the U.S. has also reflected that, where we've been able to turn Christianity into just a norm kind of thing. And that allows people to sometimes be not deep in their knowledge or love of God. Those have to go hand in hand. So for me, easily like the, the first two-thirds of my life, I would say, when people said they loved Jesus, knew Jesus, had a relationship with him, I like, could not relate at all to that. It sounded, I think, to me just sort of like, oh, this is how you say it. This is, as Christians, this is how you word it. But the idea of having this like, actual connection to the person and individual of Jesus was not something that I experienced at all. It was pretty odd to me. And I often sometimes would feel around people like that like, uh, I'll just, maybe it'd be better just to fake it, which is pretty bad. Or at worst, I'd think, man, I'm really missing out on something. How are they all feeling like some sort of connection to this person we all talk about every Sunday or whatever that I don't feel? And that was like very strange to me. 
and made it pretty easy for me not to be that interested in Jesus when I was leaving uh, my hometown to go to college. It wasn't, there wasn't a personal connection for me. There wasn't a relationship. So why would I really try to pursue that? And it really wasn't until I started to read Jesus' words for myself, and I'm not sure exactly why I did, but I did, that he started becoming real to me. Reading a story like the one I read a little bit ago, the woman accused of adultery, that started making me view Jesus as a real person and not just a real person, but starting to actually believe some of the things he said and did and be a little inspired and be a little tugged in my heart about what he was saying, feeling like he did have something true to say about the world, and yet also had this compassion that, um, that I wouldn't expect from somebody who saw the world and people in their truest state like that. And so then I actually became drawn to and genuinely interested in him myself. So what I want to say about that is just do that as often as you can, as often as you need to read Jesus' words. Don't let yourself become so separate from the source material, so to speak, you kind of forget who Jesus even is. But what do we know about him? What has he said? What did he really want to share with us? That's why we have these stories, these volumes. That's why they've existed and, you know, lasted for so long. This is what Jesus wanted us to know about him and wanted to share with us. Don't let yourself become too separated from the true Jesus um, and filled in with other things, other cultural kind of deals that we've added on and mixed in there. Um, as often as you need to and as often as you can, go read Jesus' words, connect back to the source. And as you get to know Jesus or as you get to reacquaint yourself with him, you'll find a multitude of things. He's got so many angles. You'll find a wise teacher, a devout student, a loving friend, a kind neighbor, a humble servant, an activist, an unjustly accused, suffering crucified man, a leader and a mobilizer, a patient helper, a passionate speaker, someone who's not driven by some desire just to uphold an institution, but who's driven by his persistent love for people. And you'll find someone who loves God the Father really deeply. And that's just a, a few things. I'm sure you'll find more. That is the the Jesus we get to see when we read about him and his life. So many things there. My third and final point is just to love Jesus is to follow him. This is kind of how we get back to, you know, um, making maturing disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. How do we get back around to actually following him, serving him? And I'm not going to be so arrogant as to think we could fit all the aspects that are important and required and good to talk about about following Jesus and the daily life and habits of doing that in this little section this morning. But it's obviously an important topic. I really felt this morning that we were supposed to focus more on the first step of that, Jesus loving us and us loving Jesus, and take a break a little bit from the focus of what we are doing, our works, how we're doing, how bad or good we feel about how good or bad of a follower of Jesus we are at the moment. Take a break from beating ourselves up about that, if you're someone who does that like I do. But as a short point, here's the basic connection of why loving Jesus must turn into following him. Um, this is where we'll kind of continue some of the verses we read just a little piece of earlier. On, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, um, this is the come to me, all you are weary. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. You'll find rest 
for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burdens light. Mixed in that is this invitation to come, lay down your burdens if you're weary. Jesus is going to give you, it's mixed in right there, follow me, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burdens light. Come and learn from me and you'll learn how to be this way. It's mixed in together. The loving and the following is right there together. The rest of the John 15 passage goes like this. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be complete in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command to love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. You did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. This is what I command, love one another. And that passage really does connect all the dots all in one chunk right there. First, Jesus loves us. Then he calls us right back into love with him, to remain in love with him, to remain in that connection constantly. And to do that by following his life, following his teachings. And then, of course, to follow his teachings, we need to follow one of his biggest teachings, which is to love one another more than ourselves, to love one another by the standard Jesus sets of loving others as he has loved us. So we have a long way to go. That's a long, you know, all the dots connecting. But we just have to start with Jesus. We just have to start with that first step of just understanding, reminding ourselves, preaching to ourselves that Jesus loves us <laughs> and loving him back. That is a great start. And the places where we, we get off course are, like I said at the beginning, I think it's struggling in a tough season of life. Problems in our world or our country that seem really beyond us and hopeless. Problems in the institution of the church. Um, getting focused on the actions and the, uh, the way we live out our faith. Getting focused on what we are doing, how well we think we're doing it. Focusing on the serving part and forgetting the love part. This might be a no-brainer, but the most, uh, the things that have shaken my faith the most, the things that have worried me the most or made me kind of unstable, have not been Jesus himself. There's not something I've read or experienced with Jesus that have made me doubt. In fact, he reassures me more than anything. It's other people, maybe people who poorly represent him, or the world, or me looking at other uh, sort of um, leaders or voices or whatever it is, that make me feel the most uncertain about things like that. For me, Jesus has been the stable, the constant, the thing that does not make me worried. So don't lose heart. Try pressing refresh on your faith. Try going back to the start. And do you know that Jesus loves you exactly as you are? Try revisiting who Jesus actually is, not the version that you might have accidentally started thinking in your head. So this is really the way that I believe disciples and missionaries and leaders and brothers and sisters and regular folks like you and me have been able to carry on 
through thousands of years, church, times of trouble and turmoil, because these people have had Jesus as their center. This is the reason why at least a couple of believers <laughs> every century survive and the church continues on once again. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday was yesterday, has a lot of quotes that give insight into his deep love and dependence on Jesus, which actually makes a lot of sense because that is one of the few things I could think to be able to give hope in the middle of trials and hate and really awful seasons uh, and to be inspired to not just have hope but to act on it. So here's some things that, that I want to leave you with. Um, he said, By opening our lives to God and Christ, we become new creatures. This experience which Jesus spoke of as the new birth is essential if we are to be transformed nonconformists. Only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit. Jesus eloquently affirmed from the cross a higher law. He knew that the old eye-for-eye eye philosophy would leave everyone blind. He did not seek to overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. Although crucified by hate, he responded with aggressive love. Lord, thank you for... Um, going to such great lengths to help us understand you better, to the, who knows what kind of cosmic trouble you had to go through to become a human. <laughs> but thank you for doing that, Lord, for being able to see how you live life as one of us, to be an example of, of very radical love, um, a really different way of living, very, very counter to human nature, to the things, the voices in our heads, the, the ways we want to act and react. We're thanks for, um, for loving us first before we had earned it or anything at all. Uh, that's pretty mind-blowing to me. And thank you for reminding me of that this past week and how helpful it is to just be able to press, restart, refresh on, um, on just that core truth from which everything else is built upon. Without that cornerstone and foundation, a lot of this really would not make sense. You loving us from the very beginning, caring about each one of us, creating us, knitting us together, caring about each one of us, totally special and unique to you. Lord, help us to be driven and sustained by that love that you've given us. Help us to be uh, able to hold on to that when it's hard to remind others, each other, our friends and our loved ones and families and strangers of that love when they need to hear it. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you. We don't deserve you, and um, we're so grateful for you. And I pray. Amen. Any questions on that really complicated sermon? I know lots of new theology in there. There's some cutting-edge stuff that I like picked up on some, some new conferences and whatnot. So... A lot of cool new stuff coming out of the theological world right now, and that's just some of it. Any questions or comments?
we'll wait one more minute to see if one brews in your mind. You can also just ask me afterward. If you want to know the kind of details about the toaster and the blow dryer thing, if you hadn't really read those warnings, happy to tell you about that and save you the pain of experiencing that. Okay, that's it. Talk to me after if you have some, some question. Now we're going to turn things over to Leslie for announcements. Okay, announcement time. Listen up for important things. And the first one is that we're going to have live stream happening for the next little while. And the first thing I want to do is thank the people that put that in place. That's going to be such a blessing to our church family. So thank you, whoever did that. <laughs> um, and so if you wake up and you're not feeling well, if you're running fever, if you have any doubt about your health, you can stay at home and you can join us on the live stream. But don't use that as an excuse for, oh, I think I just want to roll over in bed and watch church today. That's for if you're not feeling well. Um, also, just a reminder about the gay same-sex attraction discussion group. Um, Devin Rarden has been putting together um, resources for that. You'll be reading snippets from several different uh, sources of information and then discussing what it looks like um, to view that from um, hopefully God's perspective on that. And you can sign up for that group at DentonNorthChurch.com slash SSA group. DentonNorthChurch.com slash SSA group. And then also there are resources that our BIPOC team has put together for us about caring about race and racism like God does. And we would encourage you to at least pick something on that list and read it. Some things are longer and some things are shorter. So pick something to start with that you know that you'll read through and think through and pray through. But we really appreciate that team putting together those resources that we can grow from. Our next prayer meeting with the elders will be February 7th. So put that on your calendar and join them for a time of prayer. It'll be at our house and we'll post um, the address and everything when it gets closer to time. But that's always a good time of getting to pray for our community, both the Denton as a city community and our church community. And then just a reminder that giving is also online. And so you can go there and set up recurring donations. You can do one-time donations. Um, but don't forget your giving. That's an important part of our relationship with God. And then we're getting done a little early here. And so if you have not already done the mission and vision survey, please take a few minutes to sit and do that. Um, we've got the building until noon, so you've got plenty of time to sit and finish that. Even if you just go through and you answer the ones that aren't the long answers, if you do the ones that are just the shorter answers, and maybe put one sentence on those open response questions, that would be super helpful. So please take the time to do that. And I think that's all. Are there any other announcements I'm missing? Okay, just be mindful of praying for our church body and praying for people that are sick 
Um, and checking in on people. So if you hear of somebody that's sick or they've got something going on and you know that it might help them to have someone come and clean their house, someone come and bring a meal, someone do some grocery shopping, and you can't do that for them or you don't know people that can, give Josh or I a call so that we can know about that and we can make sure people get taken care of. If you find yourself in that situation, let your small group leader know, let me or Josh know, let one of the other leaders in our church know, but let us take care of you. Like, let us help you if you need help. We want to do that um, and help us, help Josh and I know who we need to take care of. So if you hear our things, let us know. All right, you guys, we're done for today, except if you haven't done the survey, sit and do it right now. You got plenty of time. Lots of time to visit, so have a good afternoon, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.